0: There was a man named Boaz who married a Moabite by the name of Ruth. They were God lovers. Ruth said, I'll follow you, Naomi, and your God will be my God. She loved the God of Israel. Boaz was an Israelite. But the scripture, the biblical law said that no Moabite could ever enter the house of God. So as much as she loved God, she wasn't permitted to be in the house of God. She had a son whose name was Obed. He loved God, but because of who his mama was, he couldn't go to the house of God. Obed had a son whose name was Jesse. Jesse loved God, but Jesse, because of who his grandmother was, couldn't go to the house of God. But the Levitical law said the children born of a Moabite, if she married an Israelite, and the third generation could go to the house of God and would you believe who is the writer of Psalms 122 David and David said daddy couldn't do it grandpa couldn't do it and grandma couldn't do it but I'm glad that I could be in the house of God see some of you have never had relatives that were born in this or came to church you're the first generation That are Holy Ghost filled, Jesus' name baptized. That's why you're so excited because Grandpa didn't tell me how to go to church. Mama didn't show me how to go to church. I was glad when they said unto me, I'm glad to be in the house of God tonight. I once again give tremendous honor to your leadership. Uh, What a wonderful time of food and fellowship today. Thank you, Sister Goins and Brother Goins, for opening your home and cooking. Uh, give honor to Brother Brandon Goins, Sister Megan Goins and their family, friends of mine, dear friends of mine I love and appreciate them. If you have your Bibles turn with me to Genesis 32nd chapter and verse number 31 we find Jacob and he is fresh off of his all night wrestling match with an angel and the story picks up In verse number 31 it says, as he passed over Peniel, the sun rose upon him, and he, talking of Jacob, halted upon his thigh. In other words, he was walking with a very noticeable limp. I saw a video a few years ago of two large bull elk fighting they were fighting for the dominant rights of that region that they lived in. And the fight lasted several minutes. And after several minutes of ferocious fighting, one of the elk put his head down and walked away the, the, defeated, the loser. The cameraman zoomed in on the winning elk. And although he had won, he had been injured in the, the fight. And he walked away a winner, but he walked away limping. And I want to preach to you tonight from this thought. Limping isn't losing. Just because you're limping tonight doesn't mean you're losing. It probably means the opposite. It means you've been fighting and you're winning tonight. Would you set your Bibles down, lift your hands and hearts to heaven. Let's pray once again. Lord, we love you and we thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your anointing. God, I'm asking you, Lord, one more time to anoint me tonight to preach your anointed word. Let me speak it as you want it spoken to your people here tonight. God, I'm asking you to touch hearts and lives. Lord, I'm asking you to anoint people to receive your word and respond to your word tonight. And God, we will be so mindful to give you praise for what you're going to do in this house in the mighty name of Jesus we pray amen would you clap your hands to him one more time and shout unto God with a voice of triumph thank you you can be seated tonight backing up to verse number 24 it says and Jacob Was left alone. He was in a place of isolation, which isn't always a bad place to be at. And there he wrestled a man until the breaking of the day. So this isolation quickly escalated to confrontation. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with this angel. Now, I've often read this story and thought to myself, why didn't the angel dislocate Jacob's elbow? That would have been painful. That would have got his attention. Why didn't he dislocate his wrist? That that would have been painful. Why didn't he dislocate his shoulder? That would have got his attention. And I believe the reason he dislocated Jacob's hip was because if you study the life of Jacob, Jacob was a runner. He had spent the last 14 years of his life running from his path. He had spent the last 14 years of his life running from his brother, running from all the wrong that he'd done, running from his father-in-law, Laban. And it's as if God is saying, Jacob, you're not going to be a runner anymore. I'm going to stop your running. And I want you to know that God will do whatever it takes to get your attention in this place. Just because bad things happen to us We need to understand sometimes it's God trying to get our attention. And the Bible says that Jacob looks at the angel and he says, I will not let you go except thou bless me. His isolation that turned to confrontation now has escalated to a place of desperation. And, the, and Jacob looks at the angel and the angel says, let, let go the day breaking. We've been fighting for a long time. We're, we're muddied, we're bruised, we're scratched up and I'm tired. But Jacob said, you don't understand my story. I have always given up. I have always been quick quick to quit. I have always been the one to throw in the towel. And I know that letting go would be easier. I know that quitting would be easier. But that's why I'm in the shape that I'm in today because I've always been a quitter. And Jacob said something has to change today. Something has to be different today. I can't go home the same man that I walked into this wrestling match. I can't go back to my wife and kids the same person that I came Here today, and Jacob said, I will not let go until you bless me. I know I'm tired I know I'm bloodied and bruised I know we've been fighting all night long but I will not let go until something changes in my life and I wonder tonight are there any Jacobs in the house that you've got the same mindset that I'm tired of knowing my life is going I'm tired of the place that I'm in and I've got to get something different I can't leave this place until God changes me I can't leave this place until it touches me I will not let go until he blesses me and the angel says what is your name now that angel didn't hit his head on a rock in the altercation he wasn't suffering from amnesia that angel knew who Jacob was He was sent there by God. But what he wanted Jacob to do, he wanted Jacob to come to terms with who he was. He wanted Jacob to have a man in the mirror experience. He wanted Jacob to admit to who he was. And and, and when the angel said, who are you? What's your name? Jacob didn't put his head up in pride. He didn't pop his chest out with pride. He, He probably put his head down and said, my name is Jacob. Because Jacob may be a good name today. But in biblical times, it was not a name that you wanted to have. The name Jacob had a weight with it. It had a stigma about it. The name Jacob carried a cloud over it. The name Jacob had a reputation. It meant that you were a deceiver. It meant that you were a cheater. It meant that you were a manipulator. It meant that you were going to do somebody wrong. You know, the girls didn't want to date Jacob because he was a cheater. The guys at church didn't want to hug Jacob's neck whenever the pastor said, be friendly and shake hands and hug everybody before you leave because they would make sure their wallets were still there because he, he was a known con artist. So Jacob didn't say, my name is Jacob. Look how, look how awesome I am. He probably looked down at the ground and said, my name is Jacob, but I'm not proud of who I am. I'm not proud of what, how life has brought me to this point. And Jacob maybe was getting ready to explain his case even. He maybe was getting ready to say, hey, hey, uh, sir, you don't know me. And my name is Jacob, but it's not my fault that my name is Jacob. That's who mom and dad married. You know, I talked about it today playing the blame game. It's not my fault that my name is Jacob. That's who mom and dad named me. It's not my fault Esau got the birthright. I should have got the birthright. It's not my fault that Esau was was hungry that day and I tricked him to giving me the, the birthright. It's not my fault that mom helped me trick dad into giving me the blessing. It's not my fault that Laban was an easy target. It's not my fault that he made me marry the ugly sister. First, and the list could go on and on and on, but it's as if the angel interrupted him because the angel knew it doesn't matter who you used to be, all that matters is who you're going to be. And he said, Your name is no more Jacob but from this very moment your new name shall be called Israel because thou hast power with God and with man. Let me tell somebody in this place tonight if you're not proud of the name you carry if you're not proud of who you are if you're not proud of your past you've come to the right place you can get in a baptistry you can be baptized in the only name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved and Jacob will stay in the water and Israel will come out to to walk in newness of life. Jacob, it's not about who you used to be. It's about who you're going to be. So Jacob names the place Peniel and he said, I have seen God face to face. And my life is preserved. Can you imagine the scene? Jacob, he's probably got a fat lip. Probably got blood coming out of his mouth. Probably got a black eye. Arms are scratched up. Bruises on his body. Clothes tattered and torn. Dirt, you know, the dirt probably mixed with sweat made mud. And he, he's a muddy mess. And not only that, but he's limping now. And he says, I'm going to name this place Peniel. Because God has preserved my life. Jacob, you're a muddy mess. You're bloodied, you're bruised, you're scratched up, your clothes are tattered and torn. And from this moment forward, you're always going to walk with a limp. And you call this place your life is preserved? Preserved? And the reason is is because God is more interested in your preservation than your presentation. We get so wrapped up in coming to church and saying I've got to make sure I put on a show and I can't let anybody know that I've got problems and I can't let anybody know I've got things going wrong in my life and I've got to come in here and put on a mask and put on a show on the inside I'm tattered and torn but I've got to come in here and act like something but you need to understand God would rather you go limping into heaven than to go walking into hell. That's why he said if your foot offended, cut it off. Because he'd rather you be preserved than you walk around like you've got it all figured out. As a matter of fact, when I think about walking into heaven, you know what those gates are going to be made of? Pearl. You know where we get pearl from? An oyster gets an irritant in it. And it damages and wounds that oyster. But over time... What once was an irritant, what once was a wound, turns into a priceless pearl so I can't help but think when I go walking through those pearly gates one day or maybe when I go limping through those pearly gates I'm going to think to myself this is appropriate because I've been wounded to get here I've been scarred to get here I had to limp to get here what I thought was going to destroy me is the reason I'm here today what I thought was going to keep me from making it is the only reason why I'm walking here today And the Bible says that the sun rose upon him and he halted upon his thigh. Now that ends chapter 32 and chapter 33 of Genesis opens with Jacob looking and he sees his brother Esau coming with 400 men. Now, the last time Jacob saw Esau, Esau said, I'm going to kill you to get my revenge from you stealing my birthright and my blessing. So Jacob... Starts dividing his family up and sending them towards Esau. And the Bible says that the closer that Jacob gets to Esau, Jacob bows on the ground seven times. Now, bowing isn't something we're uh, used to in America. And it's a sign of respect, it's a sign of surrender. Maybe Jacob was doing it to show Esau I'm sorry. Maybe he was saying, uh, you know, I, 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 this is my sign of surrender to you and I'm apologizing to you. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe he's doing it because he was the oldest, Esau was. But but really and truly the spiritual birthright had been given to Jacob. So I don't really think that was it either. We could play on the number of seven. Number seven is the number of completion. We could do that all day long. You know, six days, God created everything. Seventh day, he rested. Jericho, six days, they marched one time. Seven days, they marched seven times. Naaman dipped seven times in the muddy river Jordan. You know, we could play. Jesus met the woman on the well. He said, go get your husband. She said, I don't have one. He said, you've had 5 years living with a man. That's six men. She's talking to the seventh man. He brought completion to her. Like, we could play on the number seven as a number of completion, but I don't think that's the point either. What I truly believe is that every time Jacob went to step, he felt that hip dislocate. And instead of showing his brother that he had been wounded, he would fall in a fake bow before his brother to hide his limp so that he wouldn't let his brother know that he had been wounded. And you know what? That doesn't surprise me because we do the same thing. Us dads, we tell our kids, don't cry, get up, rub some dirt on them. Show no weakness. Don't let people know that you've been hurt. You know, I can't let anybody know I've got struggles. I'm a preacher. I can't let anybody know I've got problems in my life. I'm a pastor. My life's supposed to be perfect. I'm not supposed to have any problems. I'm not supposed to have any wounds. I'm not supposed to have any struggles. I can't let people know I sing and play and teach Sunday school. I've got to walk like I've got everything figured out in my life. And we try to hide our wounds. We try to hide our scars. And we try to hide our lips from people. Because we're afraid that they'll judge us But somewhere in Jacob's life, he had a mindset change. Because the Bible says that at the end of Jacob's life, that he calls in the sons of Joseph. And he blesses them, worshiping, leaning upon a staff. It's as if Jacob realized, this is who I am. And I'm not going to hide it anymore. And right before he died, the Bible says he blessed the sons of Joseph and he worshipped. I guess he's finally stopped wrestling and he finally started worshipping. That's what somebody needs to do here tonight. And the Bible says he blessed... The sons of Joseph before he died Leaning upon his staff This is what I think happened He calls and he says Manasseh and Ephraim come here boys Come sit on Papa's lap Let me tell you a little story You see this cane You see this staff I know you've noticed my limp You've probably made fun of it You've probably mocked me You probably took my staff while I was taking a nap And tried to act like me and walk like me And I know you've probably been embarrassed by this limp But let me tell you boys how Papa got this limp. Because this limp lets me know that you wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for this limp. We wouldn't be blessed by God if it wasn't for this limp. We wouldn't be the children of God if it wasn't for this limp. And I know it may be embarrassing to you, but it's a constant reminder to me that I'm not who I used to be. But God has changed my life, and God has changed my name. Hey, don't try to hide your scars. Don't try to hide your wounds. Don't try to hide your limp. They are your testimony to them. What once embarrassed him, he's now embracing. What he once disguised, he is now declaring. His limp didn't precede God's blessing, but his limp was a blessing in itself. See, our wounds and our scars and our limps They tell our stories I've got scars all over my body I guess it's a big canvas to work with But I have a nasty scar right here From a bicycle wreck I've got a scar in this part of my head From a a lawn mower I've got one over here From playing football In our single wide trailer That we used to live in growing up that had a big, one of those old school furnaces in it. And we play football in the hallway and hit my head. I've got another one back here from where my brother hit me in the head with a baseball bat. And I've got barbed wire fence scars all over my body playing out in the woods. And I, literally my body is covered with scars. And there's sometimes I'll look in a mirror and I'll see those scars. And I'll say, man, they sure are ugly. And I'll start thinking back to what caused that scar. And I'll look and I'll say, man, I wish I wouldn't have been racing my bicycle that day and flipped over the handlebars. I-, I wish I wouldn't have let my cousin chase me till I hit that lawnmower. I wish I wouldn't have threw that baseball to my brother. I wish I wouldn't have played football that day. I wish I wouldn't have tried to jump through that barbed wire fence. I wish I wouldn't have done that. You know, me and my brothers, we were on a first name basis at the local hospital. We were always getting uh, casts and, and uh, stitches. We were always getting wounded. <laughs> But on a deeper level, I've got some wounds and I've got some scars here and here. And I think about those sometimes and I go back to when I was wounded and I say, God, I wish I could go back to that day when I made that mistake. God, I wish I could go back to that moment when that person hurt me and said those things about me and destroyed me. I wish I could go back to that time and make it all go away. But you know what I realized after 40 years on this planet? I realized this. Every scar, every wound, every limp has a story. And it's a part of who I am today. And everything that I've went through, both physically and mentally and spiritually and emotionally, has led me to who I am today. And I may not like the scars, and they may be ugly to some people, but they tell my story that God is greater than my scars. God is greater than my wounds. God is greater than my mistakes. His mercy is greater today. If you ever met my dad the first thing you would notice about him is he walks with a very visible limp story goes if you were to ask him sir why do you walk with a limp he would probably say because I've had both of my knees and one of my hips artificially replaced but the story goes deeper than that my dad's a senior playing college football In the state of Virginia There's NFL scouts there watching him And my dad said he still doesn't know to this day I just asked him about it recently He said I don't know what happened Michael He said I was at the bottom of the play Everybody was piled up And I got up to stand up And I couldn't stand on my leg The teammate said that his leg literally from his knee down Was just dangling like this because He tore everything that could be torn Every ACL, PCL, all those things Every ligament, every every tendon Everything that could be torn in his knee He tore in one play Back then You didn't have a, a surgery And you're back on the field the next year My dad's football career Was over in one play His hopes of playing in the NFL one day Over in one play But the story doesn't end there because He has surgery. And while he's on crutches, he goes on a blind date with a girl by the name of Denise Smith, who would later become Denise Maupin, who would later give birth to a son named Michael Maupin. And so every time I look at my dad's knee, And I look at that scar on his knee and I watch him hobble to the restroom and hobble to the kitchen and hobble to get in the car to go to church. I know it's painful for him and I know it's embarrassing for him. But every time I look at his limp, I realize I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for that limp. And some of you can tell the same story. You wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for your limp. You wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for your wounds. You wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for the scars. You wouldn't be here today if you hadn't been through some things. But God is greater and you're limping, but you're not losing today. There was a young man that grew up right outside of Chicago. He was an all-state baseball and football player. Every big 10 football school offered him a scholarship to play. Major League baseball draft experts were talking about him playing in the next, or getting drafted in the next draft. His senior year, same thing, he gets hit His knee is decimated. He has successful surgery, but the doctor said you won't ever be, you'll you'll be able to play sports, but you'll never be the athlete you used to be. All the scouts of Major League Baseball, they say, well, we don't even know if you'll even get drafted now. All the Big Ten football programs, they withdraw their scholarship offers, and only one school remains an offer on the table to him, and that was the University of Tennessee in Knoxville. He didn't want to move south. He had lived uh, up in the north his entire life. He didn't want to go south. But this is the only scholarship he had left on the table, so he goes. One Sunday morning, there's a knock on his dormitory door. On the other side of the door is the voice of future Hall of Famer Reggie White. And he said, get up, freshmen. We're going to church this morning. They pull into 5020 Pleasant Ridge Road in Knoxville, Tennessee. This young man who was raised Catholic walks into an apostolic church for the first time in his life had never heard of repentance, had never heard of Jesus' name baptism, had never heard of the Holy Ghost. He walks into an apostolic church. God convicts him. He gives his life to God. He repents. He gets baptized. He gets filled with the Holy Ghost. God calls him into ministry. He's the man that baptized me in Jesus' name. Today he's pastoring a revival church in East Tennessee. And you ask him about his limp. I'm sure it's painful. I'm sure it's something he's been embarrassed of but he would have never heard this truth if it wasn't for his limp you're here today because of your limp but it doesn't make you a loser you're not losing today you're a winner you're victorious you know Jesus knew something about being wounded he was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquities the chastisement of our, of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. He wasn't just the triumphant king of kings and lion of the tribe of Judah. He was also the suffering servant, the disfigured and, and, and despised lamb of God. You've you, you got to understand, he was wounded also. And when Jesus came back from the grave, he shows up one day to the disciples. He talks to them and he leaves. And the Bible says that there was one disciple that wasn't there that day By the name of Thomas Doesn't say where he was at But I guarantee he wished he wouldn't have missed that day Once again, that's why I want to always make sure I'm here Because I never know when Jesus is going to show up and do something And so Thomas comes back from whatever he was doing that day The disciple said, hey Thomas Jesus was just here and Thomas makes a declaration that gave him a nickname that he still carries today. He said, I will not believe unless I can touch the nail prints in his hand. Unless I can take my hand and thrust it in the spear print in his side. I will not believe that Jesus has risen. Time goes by. Jesus comes back. This time, Thomas is there. He wasn't going to miss another opportunity. Jesus comes walking straight through the wall. He says, peace be to you. Then he looks at Thomas, and he says, Thomas, behold my wounds. Touch them. Put your finger in the nail prints. Put your hand in my side and believe. And Thomas reaches up. And he puts his finger in Jesus' nail prints. And he puts his hand in his side. And Thomas makes that one God decoration. He says, my Lord and my God. Now, understand something. Jesus is powerful. He's all-powerful. I've often even wondered to myself, why didn't Jesus come back from the grave with a body complete with no scars on? That would have been more powerful to me that he would have said, look, you tried to kill me. You tried to scar me and wound me, but I've got so much power, I've healed all this. There's no more scars or wounds on me. But if he would have came back with a body that had no scars on it, there wouldn't have been a Thomas. Thomas who would later go preach into what is modern day India and start the first apostolic church in India. There wouldn't have been a Thomas that would have believed if he couldn't have touched his scars and his wounds. And you know what I want to tell somebody today? God's got enough power to keep you from being wounded. He's got enough power to keep you from having scars. But let me tell you why you have them today. Because there's a world out there that needs to be able to see your scars. There's a world out there that needs to be able to touch your wounds. They need to be able to know that there's a God who's greater than what you've been through. There's a God who's greater than your mistakes. There's a God... Who's able to keep you from falling There's a God who's able to restore There's a God who's able to Loose chains of addiction There's a God who's greater than your problems Let's all stand today In 2 Corinthians 12 Paul I love Paul because Paul's a very transparent writer But Paul says this. He said, I've had a thorn in my flesh. And he never tells what it is. He just said, I've asked God three times to remove it. First time God ignored him. Second time God ignored him. And then finally when God gives him an answer on the third prayer, it is not the answer that Paul wants. Because God said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. See, that goes against all of our thoughts. I'm supposed to be strong. I'm supposed to have it figured out. That's whenever life is. No, no, no. Jesus said my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Not on a Sunday night when you're in an altar speaking in tongues. Not on a Sunday night when you're dancing and running the aisles. But on a Monday when you're going to a school and you're the only apostolic. On a Monday when you and your spouse are talking about going to divorce court. On a Monday when you just walked out of a doctor's office and they said that there's nothing they can do. The cancer is spreading too quickly. That's when God, His strength is made perfect. Not in your greatest achievements and victories, but in your weakest moments. That's when He has been made stronger than ever before. Paul said, most gladly, therefore, I rather glory in my infirmities. That the power of Christ may rest upon me Therefore I take pleasures In infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities In persecutions, in distresses For Christ's sake For when I am weak Then I'm strong You know what in essence What Paul is saying there Paul is saying as long as I'm limping I'm leaning on him And as long as I'm leaning on him, I'm stronger than I've ever been. before. When I think I've got life figured out and I don't need him, then I'm really weak. But when I'm limping and I'm hurting and I'm going through problems and I think I'm losing, I'm really stronger than I've ever been before. Because his grace is sufficient. His strength is made perfect in my weakness. So when I am weak, then am I strong. You know what? Paul thought that thorn in his flesh was keeping him from becoming who God wanted him to become. But in all actuality, that thorn in the flesh was making him into who he should become. Your lip is a part of your life. It's a part of your story. It's a part of your testimony. You may be limping, but you're not losing. You may be wounded, but you're winning today. You may be wounded, but you're still worshiping. You may be in pain, but you're still praising today. And your limp is your testimony. What you've been trying to hide, God's saying let the world know. What you've been trying to disguise God's saying declare it to everybody because I'll get the glory in your limp. I'll get the glory in your wound. I'll get the glory in your scar. So as every head is bowed, every eye is closed across this house. Tonight. I want to first open these altars today to a Jacob. That maybe you haven't repented. Maybe you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name. Maybe you've never been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And you're here tonight. And you're saying, I'm not proud of who I am. I'm not proud of the life that I've lived. I'm not proud of the testimony that I possess. I'm not proud of the mistakes I've made. And you've come to this place tonight with the attitude I will not let go until God blesses me. I will not let go until something in my life changes. I can't walk out those doors the same person I walked in. And you guys you can have your five minute altar call if you want to but I'm going to stay here until God changes something. I'm not letting go until he blesses me. So if there's a Jacob here today and you want your name changed, I challenge you to step out of your seat today and meet us at this altar. And then i open this altar to the rest of you, to some limpers today, to some that are wounded, some that are scarred, And you thought it was something to be shameful of. You thought it was something to hide or disguise. But I hope through the preaching of the word tonight, you realize what you've went through, what you've encountered, what you've had happen to you hasn't made you a loser today, but it's made you victorious because you're still here, you're still standing. You're still being faithful. You're still worshiping. You're still praising. You're still here. You may be limping, but you're not losing today. Come on, his grace is sufficient.